Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to support the Box of Oddities, we would be eternally grateful. Become a premium subscriber. Go to theboxofoddities.com and get signed up. You will get ad-free episodes. You'll get them a day early. You'll get a bonus episode every month. And you'll get access to the Box of Oddities back channel, direct contact to us. And we appreciate it so much. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Okay, I'm fighting off a little bit of a, a throat thing, so please bear with me. A throat thing. A throat thing. Saying that you're fighting off a throat thing sounds like uh, it's some sort of weird outer planet monster like yep. I'm fighting off a throat thing that's what it would sound like uh, we got this uh, message from part sage who uh, was commenting on the Amazon reviews we did uh, some of our favorite Amazon reviews in a thing in the middle yeah. uh, a couple episodes ago they say, oh, yes, Amazon Amazon reviews are fun. I was reading one for the uh, the Joy C1 bidet. <laughs> Any whoozle, a verified purchaser said, there are three settings, which we've designated as low, medium, and intrusive. <laughs> <laughs> a, little, a little anal humor for you all, Part Sage says. <laughs> Thanks, Part Sage. That's glorious. Intrusive. Ah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, indeed. Right. Noted. Noted. Uh, okay, um, that's one of the things that uh, that we probably should invest in is one of those portable bidet things when we go back to Ecuador because we usually stay in the old part of the city mm. and they will not allow you to throw your toilet paper and flush it down the toilet. They make you put it in a garbage can. Yeah. Next to the toilet. Um, which is horrifying to me. It's something that you really struggled with. And I found amusing because, yeah, I mean, okay, we just put in our, our toilet paper in a trash can. They take mm-hmm. it away every day. It's not, you know. Yeah. But uh, you would, like, tuck yours down in the trash <laughs> so as not to have your poop paper on the top That's right. of the trash. Yeah. It was 
a very delicate process for you. Uh, I used um, I used a, a yardstick mm-hmm. to jam it down to in. jam it down in because yeah. I didn't want people to know that I actually poop. Okay, that's ridiculous. There's no reason that we would have had a yardstick in our hotel room. Well, I said yardstick because I actually used your uh, your hair crimpers. Uh huh. Um, I don't have a hair crimper, nor have I had a hair crimper since the '80s. You're destroying the magic. <laughs> Of storytelling here. It's true though. He would tuck it down in the yeah. into the paper so it wouldn't be on top. Another thing <laughs> that I noticed too, along with that, is you go to even a, a modern mall mm. in in Ecuador, and it's that's it's it's the same process. They have individual little uh, trash cans in each stall for you to put your toilet paper in when you're done. Using the toilet paper. Right. But in addition to that, <laughs> they put the toilet paper, there's one giant roll, and it's out by where the paper towels are. Yeah. So you need to collect your toilet paper first before you go into the stall. That doesn't always work for me. No. It's really hard to know how much you might need. Exactly. Is it going to be a clean break? Is it going right. to be one of those that you need a little extra work on? Right. Who knows? It's, it's hard to tell. <laughs> and so these are the cultural adjustments we're making. <laughs> right. Annie Hoosel, you go first. Oh, okay. So this is a story that I had read a while back, but I wasn't sure if it qualified as an oddity. Okay. And then I thought, well, I want to do it, so I'll do it. Okay. Marilyn Monroe, Mm -hmm. born Norma Jean, was an American actress, a model, and a singer. She was famous for playing uh, the comedic blonde bombshell characters, and uh, she became one of the most popular sex symbols of the 50s and 60s, and is still a a hugely popular cultural icon. Oh, no question about that. And she wasn't blonde. She was not a natural blonde. That's right. So Marilyn had a lot of things going for her. She was working in movies, uh, but she wanted to become a legit singer. And it was rumored that a vocal coach of hers instructed her to purchase Ella Fitzgerald's recordings of Gershwin music and listen to it a hundred times in a row. Hmm. Okay. Because moderation is not something that we practice. So Ella Fitzgerald. Uh, She was born in 1917. She was an American jazz singer, sometimes referred to as the First Lady of Song, the Queen of Jazz, Lady Ella. Uh, She was amazing. She was noted for her purity of tone, her horn-like improvisational ability, and her scat singing. She found stability in a musical career uh, with the Chick Webb Orchestra, and she became uh, a band leader for a time. She had her own group, Ella Fitzgerald and her Savory Eight, which is (laughs) the sauciest name that I can ever think of. Um, She played for the uh, jazz at the Philharmonic. But she, like many African-American musicians at the time, faced significant adversity as a result of her race, especially in the Jim Crow states. One story that she told, as written in ChicagoJazz.com, while touring in the 1950s under management of Norman Granz, uh, she was in Dallas touring for the Philharmonic, a police squad interrogated the performers. They were irritated that uh, these 
people seem to think that they belonged in a high-class establishment, Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Get yourself back to the Chitlin circuit. Exactly. So band members, including Dizzy Gillespie, were shooting dice, and uh, police arrested everyone in the room. Hmm. Uh, They took us down, Ella later recalled, and then when we got there, had the nerve to ask for autographs. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? So in the 1950s, Fitzgerald's enthralling uh, singing voice had won her fans across the country, but uh, she was only allowed to play or she was only invited to play and sing in certain venues. They were often smaller clubs. Uh, Some places just weren't interested in having a black woman perform for them, no matter her talent. So it's 1954. And Marilyn Monroe is recuperating from minor surgery. And Sidney Skolsky took her to hear Ella Fitzgerald uh, at a small club where she was singing. This is according to biography, Marilyn, The Passion and the Paradox. And because Marilyn Monroe had been studying Ella Fitzgerald and because she, you know, was so amazing and obviously you're, you're kind of taken, I would imagine, uh, the two became friends pretty quickly. And probably part of that was because they had uh, similar backgrounds. Ella Fitzgerald was 15 when her mother died and uh, her stepfather became abusive. So she went to live with her aunt in Harlem. Uh, She left school to earn money taking jobs, one of which was a brothel lookout. Uh, She was uh, skirting the law. Uh, She was placed in a segregated reform school at one point where staff did not hesitate to brutalize residents. There was one story told where, I mean, she was essentially tortured. Uh, Marilyn Monroe grew up during the Great Depression. She didn't know who her father was. Uh, she, Her mom was mentally unstable. She was moved from home to home, foster home. She was subjected uh, She was subjected to abuse of all kinds. And so the two had that kind of shared background, and they they bonded quickly. So during the 1950s, one of the most popular venues was the Macombo in Hollywood. So Frank Sinatra made his L.A. debut there in 1943. It was a, a favorite haunt of the stars. And they were not booking Ella Fitzgerald. Some said that it was because she was black, but... Dorothea Dandridge and Eartha Kitt had already performed there, so she wouldn't have been the first African-American to sing there, but um, she was also heavy. She didn't have that, like, sexy, I'm here for you and your viewing pleasure look about her. Right. And she was... She was not the glamorous look that the Macambo was looking for. Fitzgerald reportedly once told the press agents that uh, she knew she was making a lot of money at the jazz club she played, but I sure wish I could play those fancy places. Oh, my God. So between Grants, who was working with Ella Fitzgerald, and Marilyn Monroe, they decided that they would put pressure on the Macombo's owner, Charlie Morrison, to open the doors to one of America's most amazing singers, regardless of her color slash weight. And Monroe approached him with a proposition. If he booked Ella Fitzgerald, she promised to sit at the front of the house every night and bring other celebrities with her. Oh, that's fantastic. Monroe made clear the amount of publicity that this would garner. So eventually, Morrison agreed to hire Fitzgerald for a couple of weeks in March of 1955. Marilyn Monroe using her power for good. 
I love this. She's like a superhero. According to Ella Fitzgerald, a biography of the First Lady of Jazz, on opening night, Monroe ensured that the audience was liberally sprinkled with celebrities, including Judy Garland and Frank Sinatra. The night was a huge success, and uh, after several nights of full houses, uh, the club owner decided to extend Ella's run there. When she finally completed her stay, Gans booked her into the huge Fairmount Hotel in San Francisco, where she became the first ever jazz performer to entertain in the hotel's Venetian room. And this because Marilyn Monroe said, I'm going to come to these shows. My celeb friends are going to come to these shows. You're going to do this, and it's going to be good for everyone. According to Biography.com, even though Ella had now kind of been invited into that level of club, not every location treated her equally due to the color of her skin. Some even expected her to enter through a back or side entrance rather than the front. And when Monroe became aware of this, she again reached out uh, to assist. According to Jeffrey Mark, who is an Ella Fitzgerald biographer, uh, Meryl Monroe had traveled to Colorado to see Ella perform. And she saw as they were approaching the building, her friend was being ushered away from the front entrance. So Marilyn Monroe refused to go inside unless she and Ella Fitzgerald were both allowed to walk through the front doors. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty rad. So Marilyn Monroe and Ella Fitzgerald were friends for years. But uh, much later, uh, Fitzgerald's longtime business manager revealed that their friendship did have its struggles, and uh, it didn't become as deep as maybe it could have because Ella Fitzgerald towed the line. She did not drink. She didn't smoke. She stayed clean. And uh, they, in one of the articles that I read, it said that her big uh, binge was she would watch soap operas after shows. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, and, of course, Marilyn Monroe struggled hard with depression and mm. with abuse of, of drugs and such. Ella Fitzgerald is quoted as saying, I owe Marilyn Monroe a real debt. The owner said yes, and Marilyn was there, front table, every night. Wow. The press went overboard. After that, I never had to play a small jazz club again. She was an unusual woman, a little ahead of her time, and she didn't know it. So whether that not that's an oddity... Mm, you know, that could be debated. Yeah. But I think that uh, it's worth celebrating. Well, I think, it, yeah, it, it was an oddity for somebody like Marilyn Monroe to stand up for civil rights during that particular time period. Frank Sinatra was also another real trailblazer in that area. Yeah, he would have sex with anyone. <laughs> and now, that thing in the middle. Here are some facts you may not know about Oscar the Grouch. We're all <laughs> big Jim Henson fans here. Number five. Over the years, Oscar had many pets, his favorite being Slimy the Worm. <laughs> Slimy the Worm and his impressive feats. Slimy was actually the first worm on the moon. Number four, Jim Henson's original Oscar was uh, going to be purple. 
despite the fact that in the first season in 1969 it was actually orange. We didn't know it because it was all black and white back then. For, well, at least in you know my neighborhood. It wasn't until the following year that Oscar the Grouch took on his trademark green color. Number three, Oscar was pretty grouchy, so we have a hard time imagining that he has family, but he does. During the show, we met his mother, Mrs. Grouch. Granny Grouch is Oscar's grandmother. Grandpa Grouch, two siblings, Ernest and Bunny, and Oscar even had a niece. Number two Oscar's trademark song, I Love Trash, was written by 14-time Emmy Award winner and Academy Award nominee Jeff Moss. And number one, the inspiration for Oscar the Grouch came from a waiter at Oscar's Tavern in Manhattan. The waiter was exceptionally rude and surly <laughs> to Jim Henson and John Stone on one of their visits. Rather than being offended, they were entertained. <laughs> the Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house, yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? <sighs> Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off 
plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code oddities at checkout. And you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's the podcast that bumps into things in your living room in the middle of the night just to mess with your head. This is The Box of Oddities. So a question I put forward on a previous episode is, what kind of car do you think Harriet Tubman would drive? And um, Sarah writes, the answer to the question is a Lincoln Navigator. (laughs) Seating capacity, check. Style, check. And the name, hello. You wrote back and said, that's genius. She said, call it genius. My coworkers just think I'm psychotic since I scream random things like Lincoln Navigator at my uh, computer screen. (laughs) Our work here is done then, Sarah. So I went down one of those little rabbit trails that sometimes you shouldn't go down because it just continues to go deeper and deeper. And the further down you go, the less focused the subject has become. That's kind of where I am. I don't really have an overall topic title for this. So I'm just going to call it bunch of weird shit that people used to do in the name of hygiene. Oh, okay. 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 That's interesting that uh, you bring that up because in one of the groups that I follow on Facebook, uh, things found in walls. Uh, (laughs) Someone renovating their house found this. Dr. Tuller's vaginal spray. (laughs) Wow, that's a pretty big box it comes in. Isn't that amazing? And I found most of this information uh, on definition.org. Oh, okay. Okay, all right. So before toilet paper, which really wasn't that long ago, People all over the world use different types of uh, utensils or, or different ways to to clean their bums. Uh, Native Americans used seashells. That makes sense. And I feel scrapey, though. Well, yeah, you, you know, it's it's a matter of technique, I think. I would think so. A clamshell would work great. I know, but then you'd have to have a mirror strategically placed, mm. and I'd need to know that everything was gone. Sure, so. yeah. I'd, I'd be in the lake every day. They they also used very small rocks. Very small pebbles. Dried grass, even twigs. Ouch. Mm. Never want to wipe my bum with a, with a fistful of pine needles. I did go to a rural part of Mexico once where I used toilet paper that had like 
chunks in it. In it, yeah. Yeah, wood, wood. wood chunks. Wood chunks. That yeah. was rough. I mean, it, literally. In uh, ancient Japan, they used what was called chugi, or small flat sticks, like popsicle sticks. A poop stick, essentially. All right. Greeks used <laughs> shards of clay from the pottery, so they were repurposing items. No, thank you. Which is nice, but ow. So it wasn't that long ago that people did not have indoor plumbing or or private bathrooms. Right. I mean, most people 100 years ago, vast majority of them, at least in rural areas, used outhouses. Before that, going back all the way to like ancient Rome, People didn't have bathtubs and showers in their house. They used public baths. You'd have to go to one of the public bathhouses where basically everyone there from your neighborhood would be there. And you know that they were just wiping their butt with pottery shards. Right. Yeah. So you were sharing their poop soup. Think of the most unhygienic person you've ever met in your life. I have that person in my mind right now. Imagine having to get right into the same bath water after that person. No, I struggle bathing with you at times, <laughs> and you're the most hygienic person I've ever met. You're cleaner than I am. Thank you for, for that little uh, <clears throat> caveat there. And yet I know your butthole's in there. Yep. Like, I know, like yep. what if what there if it, it took some of the water in and then spoot it back out? My butthole's tricky like that. Oh, like this. Like that. Just like that. I don't know. This really isn't so much personal hygiene, but here's something people did a long time ago in, uh, well, m- medieval times. They believed when you got a toothache, mm-hmm. you know what their, their their idea for the reason that caused the toothache was? No. They thought that you had worms in your teeth. Oh, God. And so the physician would fill the person's mouth with candle smoke to get rid of the worms. They thought that they'd smoke, smoke the worms. Them out. Yeah. Where do they come out? Of your mouth or your butt? Where do the where do the worms come out? That was not made clear in this article. You have to have a plan. My my thought is that they thought the worms would just come out and you'd spit them out. But and this this went on for a long time. People believed this to work, but I defy anybody to say that, oh, yeah, you know, blowing smoke in your mouth is going to cause worms to come out of your teeth. I, I can't imagine that ever happened. I don't think it did. People were dumb back then. <laughs> they were figuring things out. I guess. About the same time period, um, if you were going bald, mm-hmm. they had some very unique ways to cure baldness. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Did it involve putting feces on your head? <laughs> Chicken poop. Yeah. I yep. knew it. I yep. just knew it had to, like... It's like they just found things and were like, well, let's... Let's see if this works. put this on your head. Yeah. It's like when I was a kid and I would go to the nearby stream Mm -hmm. uh, because that's where I would hang out near a stream Mm -hmm. like a woodland creature would. (laughs) And I would sometimes take various spices with me. And then I would, yeah. What do you mean like? Like mustard powder Uh and sage. Not like a bundle of sage, but like dried sage and oregano. Cat honey, where are you going with with my spice rack? I'm just going down to the stream, Mom. Gonna mix some stuff up in the stream. So you you would just pour spices into the stream? (laughs) Yeah, I thought I was coming up with something. (laughs) 
What were you? What, what you were know, you? I was I was like solving. Pro- I was gonna cure cancer and shit. Yeah. You know, like maybe someone had never tried mixing stream water with mustard seed, and maybe maybe you needed to mix it up on a rock. So, so how long would you spend stream side with your mom's spice rack? Oh, you know, that's where I spent most of my days. Most of your days. Out in the woods. Yeah. Near my rock. Your your rock. Yeah. Where you mixed up the spices. No, I didn't mix up the spices on my rock. There was a rock that I would mix the spices up on, but that wasn't my rock. My rock was near the stream. That's where my rock was. You're like a 1950s Disney feature film. (laughs) I didn't have a lot of friends. (laughs) I find that hard to believe. And a little sad. So anyway. So anyway, yeah. There was a a book discovered in London that dated to 1654. Uh, Author Peter Levins claimed hair could be regrown by rubbing a mixture of chicken poop and lye onto your bald spots. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Didn't work, by the way. Here's a weird part of ancient hygiene history. (laughs) Monarchs had a servant who was responsible for wiping their butts. That was their job. Okay, yeah. They that were called, makes sense. They were called groom of the stool. Sometimes groom of the king's close stool. That was their title. And you might think that it was not a well thought of position to have because, ew. But actually, due to the intimacy of the act, sure. the groom of the stool in theory, was privy to an incredible amount privy. <laughs> privy. <laughs> of information. Sure. And uh, much confidence would be placed in them. I would ma- imagine it would be similar to, like, the ladies in waiting. You know, there they would be yeah, that, that, sure. that close relationship. The groom was usually somebody well-respected, even feared in the royal court. I'd, mostly yep. because he probably didn't wash his hands. You got king poop under your fingernails. Yeah. Royal duty, if you will. You know, when you look at pictures from, I don't know, like the 1700s, especially the French aristocracy, how pale they looked. Oh, sure. You know, they would powder their faces. Yeah. Well, it was a big craze at one point for women to eat chalk. To eat it. To eat it. Yeah. Because, because they felt that made them look paler and pastier well it might i mean it may have in a strange ironic twist of events it did because it would make them sick yeah and it would make them pasty and pale look more pallid they thought it was just you know the white chalk coming through in the skin when actually it was just making them sick you're not well burgages burgages is by the way a name that i just made up Mm -hmm. for that that Particular that lady. error of uh, French aristocracy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Burgidus. Burgidus. Mm-hmm. Also in medieval times, they used urine as an antiseptic, which is weird. Yeah. Because they didn't really even have concept of bacteria and germs. Somebody at some point just cut their hand and said, uh, let's just pee on it and see what happens. Yeah. And for some reason, they thought it helped. Sure. But... Let's just get something straight here. Pee is full of bacteria. I was always under the impression that it was sterile. It's not. That is a common misconception. Nobles in past centuries, we've talked about this, how they would eat so much sugar that their teeth would rot out. Right. And they were the only ones that could afford sugar. So when you saw somebody with rotted out teeth, that meant that they were 
of high prestige in society. Right. And so during the Elizabethan times, it was a it was a fashion trend to put black on your teeth to make it look like your teeth were rotted out so people would think you were of nobility. And we've I mentioned that in a in a previous episode a long time ago, but there's more to the story. Nobility didn't want their teeth rotted out. Right. So they would seek out false teeth, usually made from ivory or porcelain, but the really rich people would use human teeth. Would they buy teeth from people who wanted to look like they didn't have teeth? Yes. Oh, this is a vicious cycle, only it's actually not vicious because it's nice and everyone gets what they want. Poor people were encouraged to sell their healthy teeth to the rich. Wow. That is... Fabulous. Isn't that fascinating? It's the circle of life. We You know, even today, subconsciously, when we see a person whose pupils are dilated, that is, we're attracted to that. That is a signal that uh, that person has interest in you. We perceive it as beauty. Today, Photoshopping um, models, they'll make their pupils look a little bit bigger in, in close ups because. Subconsciously, we find that attractive. Mm-hmm. In medieval times, they recognized that as well, but they didn't have Photoshop. So they would squeeze poison into their eyes from the belladonna plant. It's poisonous. Wow. It can kill people, especially if you eat it. Um, and in high contact, it can kill you too. But women would pay that price to look, be perceived as more beautiful. Wow. Yeah. That's terrible. And how many people still have that idea that their value comes? I don't, you know, I can't, I don't, I can't right. get into that okay. right now. All right. But still, you know what I'm getting at. It's not where your value is. And finally, back in the days of the Pharaoh in ancient Egypt, from the mid dynasties on, this has been documented. They had a big problem with, with mosquitoes and flies and, you know. Sure. They've translated some hieroglyphs in, in, in there's one excerpt from uh, the Book of Life. It talks about an invasion, infestation of flies and mosquitoes, a particularly bad year mm-hmm. where they were overrun with mosquitoes. Was it around the time that they were spreading bird shit all over their bald heads? <laughs> no, 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 but you're on the right path. So the Pharaoh used to like to eat outdoors, but he didn't like... He didn't like all the bugs getting on him, so he would instruct all of his servants to slather themselves in honey. So the flies would all just, you know, go to those people sure. and get stuck in it. That's just smart. That's some smart pharaoh in there. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. You need a diversion, and I'm into it. That's the smartest thing I've ever heard. Now, the honey has numerous antibacterial benefits. So the servants probably had the, the, the best skin in all of Egypt. Right. <laughs> so there you go. People in the old days were, they were either dumb or manipulative, I think is what we've learned today <laughs> on the Box of Oddities. A good night. Well, they made it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we have them to thank for all of this <laughs> glorious situation that we're in right now. Mm. That's all I got for you, and we're coming up on dinner time for the dogs. Yeah, they're getting restless. So let's wrap this up. We love you, freaks. We look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to be 
assistance, we ask but one thing of you. To provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.